Welcome to City Reach Cumberland's weekly podcast. We hope this message blesses you. For more information about us, you can check us out on the web at cityreachcumberland.com. That's good. Thank you. Okay. I want to talk to you today about enduring faith. Enduring faith. Not enduring as a verb, enduring as an adjective that when we think of the word endure, we think of something that is permanent, something that's steadfast, something that is consistent, something that's perpetual or ongoing. And so I want to talk today about faith. I want to look at a couple things. So I'm just going to give you a recap of the message before we get into it, is that I want to look at, I want to start off, I want to look a little bit about Abraham who, as you know, endured a long time to receive his promise that God made to him. And then also that I want to look at a couple things. Jesus actually talks about having enduring faith in the negative. And I'll just give you a little hint. He calls it little faith. When he talks about a faith that's short in duration, it's little faith. And we'll get to, I'll I'll bring some scripture to, to bring that out. And then we're going to look at a couple instances where Jesus uses the term little faith. And I was going to have three points. I I changed it this morning, and I made it two. And just a couple ways the enemy tries to come in in the midst of things and tries to short-circuit your faith and stop you from moving forward in the thing that God's promised you. And so we'll look at that. We'll look at two stories of Jesus where he talks to the disciples. So if you have your Bibles, we want to start... Uh, probably the most famous verse on faith. Anybody know what it is? Hebrews 11.1. 1. Okay, somebody gets a gold star. Who is that? Well, of course. Of, okay, everybody say, of course it was Whitney. <laughs> of course it was Whitney. Whitney's like the kid in class. It's like, ooh, I know, I know. And she knows, literally knows all the answers. That's good, though. You know why? Because she studies. And that's a great thing. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of what? Faith is the substance. Substance means actually a foundation or a reality. It says faith is the reality. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. And we need to, we need to talk about what hope is if we talk about faith. So faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence or the proof of things what? Not seen. So... If you think about this, if faith is the reality, faith is the substance, some translations say title deed. Does anybody uh, have a car? Oh my goodness, yeah, okay. Does anybody, is anybody alive? All right, we got a few people alive. Does anybody have a car? Okay, most people have a car, or a motorcycle, or a house, or something. And when you get a car, what do you get that shows that you have ownership of it? A title. And, and, and this is the same word. It says that, I think it's the Amplified, says that faith is the confirmation or title deed, uh, assurance of things hoped for. So hope, uh, actually when it gets to the second line, it says things not seen. That's talking about hope also. So we know from, excuse me, Romans chapter 8, verses 24 and 25, it says that hope that is seen is not what? Hope. Hope that is seen is not hope. So if you can see it, guess what it's not? 
If you can see it, I'll say it one more time, guess what it is not? It's not hope, right? Because hope exists in the unseen realm. And if I go back to uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for. If hope is not present, guess what faith doesn't have anything to be substance or reality of? Hope. So if hope isn't present, faith can't really be present because faith becomes the substance or the reality of the thing hoped for. So what is hope? It tells us here in Romans 8, it says that hope is the unseen. Because if I could see it, if I could see Kristen, guess what I don't have to hope for anymore? Kristen. But you know what? When I was about 18 years, no, see, I was, when I was 22, I couldn't see her every day, right? I lived here and she lived in Winchester. Now, I could think about her, I could visualize her, but I couldn't see her. Matter of fact, you know what I did to make sure she wasn't dating anybody else? I was there every day. I was a stalker. I was protective of my territory. She'll tell you this. She goes, you had good reason not to trust me. You should have done that. Keep going. I think that's a big enough hole right there. I can get out of that one fair enough. So when we think of the word hope, it's not like, it's not like we, would, we would think about the word wish. It's not like, well, I hope to win the lottery, or I hope to get a promotion, or, or I hope that Kristen marries me one day. No, that's, that's not hope. Hope, in biblical definition, just means a confident expectation of something good. It's a confident expectation that something good is going to happen and we also know from the Romans 8 that it's in what realm? It's in the unseen realm. Now, it's in the unseen realm as far as it comes to physical eyes. But it's literally in the spiritual realm. I think of it like this, that hope sees with the heart what can't be seen with the eyes. Okay, so, so that I can see the thing, but I can't see the thing in the natural I can see the thing in the spirit realm. I can see the thing in my imagination. And, and the more, if I have a title to a car, let's just say this is a title to my car. Now, what can you tell me about my car if I hold this up? You can just tell it's a piece of paper. But what if I said it's a 2020 Dodge Ram? You got to pick it. It would crash. I actually, I actually did crash a, a Dodge Charger this week. Uh, I hit somebody at a stoplight. I knew I should never drive a Dodge. That, that's God telling me not to drive a Dodge. But the more I would read you from the title, even though you can't see the truck, I could say this is a 2020 Dodge. It's a, it's a crew cab, four door. It's blue. It's got big 20 inch wheels. It's got big thick knobby tires. It's got a tonneau cover in the back, okay? What happens? You can start to see it, although you can't really see it. And that's what faith does. It says faith grabs a hold of, makes a reality of the thing that you can't see in the natural, but you can begin to see it in your imagination or with the eyes of your heart. And if you think about somebody in the Old Testament, Abraham, that, that had to endure, that had to, 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 to be steadfast in his faith, he had a promise when he was how old? 75 years old. God comes to him in Genesis 12. 
He says, I will bless you. I will make your name great. Uh, you will be, you will father many nations. Every nation of the earth will be blessed through you. So he makes him this promise. That promise doesn't get fulfilled until he's how old? A hundred. He forced it at 86. But he actually had the promised child when he was a hundred years old and Sarah was 90 years old. So here's a guy that gets a promise at 75. Actually, the fulfillment of it takes place 25 years later. And I want to just, I want to look, let's go, look, look at Hebrews chapter 6. It says, when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself saying, surely I will bless you and multiply you and, multi and multiplying I will multiply you. And also after he had done what? Patiently endured. He obtained the promise. Patiently endured. Isn't that a lot of times when we get, we get scripture and we get a promise and what do we want? We want to hit express 30-second microwave and boom, I got the promise. We live in this world where everything's instantaneous. I want it now. I don't want to wait. But it said Abraham patiently endured. That there's a period of time where sometimes things happen instantaneous. We love the miraculous. We love the instantaneous. When you get saved, you have faith. You're instantly saved. But most of the time, many times in your walk, you have a promise, there's a period of standing on that promise, there's a period of waiting, and then there's the fulfillment. And when we look at Abraham, we see that in his life. We see that he patiently endured. A couple other translations, look at this, next slide. It says, Abraham waited patiently in faith and succeeded in seeing the promise fulfilled. And then I like this, the message says, Abraham, everybody say this, stuck it out. Some of you just need to stick it out. You just need to hang in there. You just need to stick to it. Stay with it. So when I think about Abraham, what allowed him to patiently endure? If he stood in faith, what had to be present in order for faith to be present? Hope. And hope is what? Seeing with the heart or seeing with your imagination what can't be seen with the eyes. So look what God did. Look what God did to help Abraham be able to visualize and see the promise that he had promised him. Genesis chapter 15 Verse 5, it says, The Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, Look up to the sky and do what? Count the stars. And if you're able to count them, that's how many descendants you have. Guess what? Every night when Abraham went outside, guess what he saw? The stars. And what did he start to think? There's one, there's two, there's three, there's a, a million twenty-seven, there's three billion five hundred twenty-two. Every night that he saw the stars, guess what that was producing in him? Hope. He could start, God said, look at the stars. Later in Genesis chapter 22, he said, not only the, the, the stars of the sky, but also as the sand of the sea. So what God did, he started to give him pictures. He started to give him images, things that he could look at and, and visualize and hold on to as he's 75, 76, 77, 78, all the way up to 86 when his wife says, hey, why don't you take my, mist, my, my servant, have a baby with her? That wasn't it. God said that that's not the one. All the way to he's 100 years old. In Genesis chapter 17, verse 5, God says, I'm no longer going to call you Abraham. I'm changing, or Abram, I'm changing your name to what? Abraham. So Abram means, uh, I, I like to say, it, says, it means high father, but if I say that here, you guys will think he was a, something other than, yeah. It means exalted. Fred, 
So God says, I'm taking your name from meaning exalted or high father, and I'm changing it to Abraham, which means father of a multitude. So every time he introduced himself, he said, hey, what's your name, Jay? Hey, I'm father of a multitude. Hey, I'm father of a multitude. And when people would see him, hey, father of a multitude, what was being shaped every time he heard his name? Hope. Walk outside, see the stars, walk on the sea, see the sand. Every time he'd talk to somebody, every time he'd say his name, Father of multitude, Father of multitude, God is giving him pictures of the promise that would one day be fulfilled. And because God created and helped him have this hope, this picture of what he was going to do, Abraham was able to endure. And so what the enemy knows is if he can wreck your imagination, if he can wreck the, 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 the eyes of your heart, so to speak, if he can get rid of that picture, guess what, he, guess what the byproduct of getting rid of the picture is? Destroys your faith. See, he can, a lot of times he won't have faith. How about that? See, that's what the devil does. Trying to wreck our hope. All right, so next slide. Let's go to the next slide. So how long does enduring faith last? So if, if, if Abraham had a promise at 75 and he, he saw the promise fulfilled at 100, how long did his enduring faith last? So this morning when I was reviewing this, actually the, the Holy Spirit quickened a verse in my mind. I disagree with my answer here, so let me modify it. Is that okay? So enduring, la I put up here, the question is, how long does enduring faith last? Answer, until you see the fulfillment of the promise that you're believing for. Or, or you die. Because the Holy Spirit brought this verse to mind. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, it says, These all died in faith, having not received the promise, but saw it from afar and were assured of it. So you either, you're enduring faith, how long is it? It's until you receive the thing you're believing for, or you die. Because, so when it says, These all died in faith, having not received the promise, but could see it from afar off? Did they see it in the natural? No, because it hadn't happened yet. What did they see it with? Eyes of the heart. They had hope. They stayed in hope. They had a picture of what was going to happen. It said they died in faith. They didn't receive the promise, but they saw it from afar and were assured of it. So when you have a promise of God, 
How long do you need to endure? Till it happens or until you die? That's the only two options. Anything less than that, we're going to see is called little faith. Anybody want to have little faith? I don't want little faith. So we're going to learn how not to have little faith. All right. So when Jesus spoke of faith that didn't endure, he referred to it as little faith. Everybody say that, little faith. Say, I'm not going to have little faith today. No little faith here. So when we think, when Jesus says little faith, what, so if we don't really dig into it, what do we think little faith is? A little bitty, tiny little bit of faith. Now I know that Jesus can't be referring to having little faith in quantity or size. Why? Boom! Hector with the answer right up here. So when, when Jesus is coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John, the other disciples had tried to cast a demon out of a boy. Right? And they couldn't do it. And, and, and they come to Jesus later and said, why couldn't we cast him out? And what does Jesus say? Look at the next, oh, wait, let's go, okay. All right, let's, let's take a pause, all right? Little faith. Oligopathos, oligopistos. So, made up of two words, pistis being faith, and oligos meaning small. So, this word little faith, when we look at it here in a minute, it's really the compound of two words. So, oligos means small in the Greek. It can mean three different things. It can mean size. It can mean small in size. So, we need to find out, is Jesus talking about, about faith that's small in size? It can mean intensity. Or, so, is he talking about faith that, that's not like really deep and strong and, 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 and intense? Or it can mean small in terms of duration. Or is he talking about faith that's short-lived? Doesn't make it to the intended fulfillment. I think we're going to see it's going to, it's going to be the duration. So, uh, next slide. So, in Matthew chapter uh, 17, it says, Disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as what? As a mustard seed. Most translations, other than New King James, say faith as of the size of a mustard seed. So how big is that? Really little. He said if you have faith even the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, be cast in the sea, and well, guess what? It'll do it. And the things that you think are impossible... It won't be. He said just a little quantity of faith makes the seemingly impossible possible. He said nothing will be impossible for you. So I know based on this verse that Jesus, when he's talking about little faith, not talking about quantity. Because he tells us elsewhere that a little faith will move mountains. A little faith will, will bring me into the realm of where nothing is impossible, the realm where he lives. What about, what about intensity? What about uh, the, the level of faith? Well, well, maybe I got small faith, but maybe it just needs to be deep and it needs to be strong and, 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 and I, I don't have enough faith. Well, let me tell you this. Jesus met everybody that came to him with faith. He met them at their level of faith. Right? So sometimes we think, well, I don't have enough faith to believe for this. Uh, uh, how much is enough? Well, think of it like this. Everybody that came to Jesus to be healed, Jesus met them at their very point of faith. I could take the lowest level of faith you can imagine, 
a leper comes to Jesus, and what's he say? He says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. If you're willing. Before that, it's probably even less. The, uh, the, demon, the demonized boy. Remember we were just talking, Jesus comes down, casts the demon out of the boy. The, the, father, the father goes to Jesus and he says, if you can do anything, have compassion on us. How, how much would that even register on the faith scale? Saying to Jesus, I don't know what you can do, but if you can do anything? He didn't know if he could do anything at all. He says, if you can do anything, have compassion on us. The leper has a little more faith. The leper comes to him and says, if you're willing, I know you're able to cleanse me. So the leper knew Jesus' ability, but he didn't know if he was willing or not. A little more faith. What about the woman with the issue of blood? She says, if I may only touch the hem of his garment, then I will be made whole. And then when Jesus talks about the biggest faith, the greatest faith, the Roman centurion whose servant was sick, he just said, Lord, just say the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus said, in all of Israel, I've not seen such great faith. So don't ever think that you have to have some certain level of faith for Jesus to, to meet you because he meets you at whatever level of faith you have. Whether it's the least amount of faith where you don't even know if he can do it, whether you don't know if he's willing, whether you think it's something you got to do, or you just think, just say the word. He meets you at every level. So it's not quantity. It's not intensity. So by elimination, what's left? Time. Duration. Next slide. So there's two things. I had three points today, but I thought it was too much. Maybe one will be too much. I don't know. So four times... There's four times Jesus uses this word, little faith. One in the Sermon on the Mount, having to do with worry. And then three times with the disciples. And interestingly enough, all three times they're in a boat. And two of the three times that we're going to look at right now are in the midst of a storm. So I think there's something there. So the, the three points, I'll give them to you. We're only going to talk about two. Remember, if, if my hope is destroyed, what happens to my faith? Short-circuited. Right? It doesn't endure. And so what the enemy does, he brings things in that will stop hope, which will eventually stop faith. So two things we're going to look at today. Fearful. In Matthew chapter 8. I want to say finicky, but that's not the right word. I will get to it. I just drew a blank. Maybe it's fickle. Fickle, yeah. So what's fickle mean? Fickle means back and forth, can't decide, right? So two things. It's fearful, and then fickle, and then the one we're not going to get to is forgetful, which I just had a moment of forgetfulness. So let's read this. So little context here. Jesus just tells the disciples to get in the boat. And it doesn't say it in Matthew, but in the other two uh, gospel editions, it says he verbally said, hey boys, let's go to the other side. Let's go to the other side of the lake. So when Jesus says, let's go to the other side of the lake, guess what's going to happen? 
we're going to the other side of the lake. Now, does that mean you're not going to hit some, hit some opposition along the way? No, they had a promise. Jesus said, we're going to the other side of the lake, and they get in the boat. So it says, he gave a command to depart to the other side. Now, when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him, and suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Jesus was tired, right? Here he is. They're in the midst of this storm. This tempest arises. The waves are crashing in the boat. Other, other gospel renditions say that the boat was filling with water. And guess what he's doing? You don't have a clue? He's asleep. But we're going to see he's actually teaching us about faith in the kingdom in this. He says, Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're perishing. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. On first blush, this looks like the word fearful, meaning to be afraid. That word in the Greek is phobos, or phobos, where we get the word phobia, right? Fear of, something, something, phobia. That's not this word. The word used here is only used twice in the, in, in, in the Gospels. The word here actually doesn't mean afraid. It actually means cowardly. It actually means to be a coward. Look at the next slide. It says, and the New, the New English translation translates it this way. Why are you so cowardly, you people of little faith? Let's go backwards one slide, back to the, the passage. See, you can be afraid and exhibit courage. See, just because you have some fear doesn't mean that you can't stand up and do something. See, when, when, when Kim said earlier, we were singing the first song, she says, do you know that the moment you get saved, you have the authority that Jesus has, and you need to stand up and say something. See, what Jesus is saying, he says, boys, why are you such a bunch of cowards? You should be standing up and saying something. See, what he, what, what he, what's he do? He stands up and does what? He rebukes the wind, he rebukes the waves, and they go away. Where did Jesus come from before he stood up? What was he doing? Courage in the kingdom comes from a position of rest. Cowardice in the kingdom comes from a position of striving. What do you think the disciples are doing? They're fishermen. They're probably, right? They're working hard. They're trying to bail the boat out. And, and, and when you think of a coward, what do you think of? A, a chicken, right? You remember that, remember that story, Chicken Little? What, something falls out of the sky, and what's Chicken Little do? Oh, the sky's falling, the sky's falling. So I can just, hear, here's the disciples. Oh, Lord, we're perishing. Oh, Lord, we're perishing. Oh, Lord, we're perishing. Now, he steps into the moment and saves them, but he also tenderly rebukes them, 
and saying, come on, grow up. Be a, have some courage. Instead of walking around, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, we're going to die. Stand up and say, when I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Have some courage, boys. See, what's the enemy do? He gets you to look at the wind, he gets you to look at the waves, and guess what, guess what hope is for him now? Death. He gets me to form a, a picture of the boat capsizing, and next thing I am, I'm professing the thing opposite to what Jesus said. You should be saying to that wind, Jesus said we're going to the other side, so move out. Have some courage. The first thing the devil wants to do, he wants to get you fearful to the point where you're scared to do anything. Jesus has empowered you to say something. He wants you to stand up and say something. Next. Fickle. This is another word that looks like not the word it is. The word here is doubt. Let's go to the next slide, then we'll come back to this. This is a different word, doubt. Distadzo. Another word that's compound, distadzo, comes from two words. Dis, meaning uh, not to diss somebody, but in Greek, dis means twice or the word two, or double. And stadzo comes from the word stasis, or stasis, which means to stand. And it literally means to have two standings. Or not to be able to make a decision between the two, or to vacillate between two decisions. So it's not the normal word doubt that doesn't mean, that means, well, I doubt what you're saying, I don't believe what you're saying, I'm not sure there's, that's credible, this word doubt means to, to go back and forth between two standings. Different word doubt. So let's go back and read this now. Jesus had just fed the 5,000. And he says, again, let's get in the boat. Jesus goes up into the mountain to pray. Disciples get in the boat. And it says, uh, and you're, this, is, this cuts a little bit in, but remember, uh, it was the third watch of the night, or fourth watch of the night. It's like 3 a.m. in the morning. It says, that the boat wasn't going anywhere. It's out in the middle of the Sea of the Galilee. And Jesus sees the people, he sees the disciples struggling. And what's he do? He walks on the water, right? And what do they do? They freak out. Ah, it's a ghost. They think it's a ghost. And then Peter realizes, oh, that's Jesus. <clears throat> and so, so this is the only, uh, the only, uh, gospel that records this part of it. It says, you command me to come to you on the water. So he said what? Come. Jesus had a promise. Or I'm sorry, Peter had a promise. Jesus said come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. So here's Peter. It's like, oh, there's Jesus. Hey, if it's you, tell me to come. Jesus says come. Okay, I'm coming. And I'm walking. Now, before we beat up on Peter, I mean, he literally walked on water. But guess what? His faith was little. It was little because it didn't endure. See, sometimes you wonder, well, how long do I have to endure? 
Sometimes it's a second. Sometimes it's, it's, it's a boat ride. Sometimes it's a short walk to Jesus. Sometimes it might be the rest of your life, and other times you may not even see the promise fulfilled in this lifetime. But nonetheless, Jesus says, come, and Peter gets out of the boat, walks on the water, but guess what? Guess what got messed up again? Yeah, what he started seeing. It says, when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out. Now again, Jesus comes to the rescue. Here's the great thing. Even when you screw up, Jesus comes to the rescue. But he wants to train us. He wants to teach us the ways of the kingdom. So even as the disciples mess up, he uses this for a teaching moment, right? He uses just a gentle rebuke and say, hey, I'm going to step in and help you out, but here's what you really need to do. You need to have enduring faith. Not faith that only goes halfway and then you sink. He says, when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. He said, oh, come on in the boat, Peter. Oh, Peter's such a good boy. I love my Peter. Now he, like, gives him a little crack in the rear end as he's bringing him in the boat. He said, what'd you doubt for? You have little faith. You have short-lived faith. You had faith to get out of the boat, but it only lasted a couple steps because you doubted, because you vacillated, because you, were, you, you couldn't make up your mind. You're like, uh, do I believe Jesus? Do I believe the waves? Do I have a picture of me coming to Jesus in my mind, or do I have a picture of me sinking? And you're going back and forth. And isn't this what happened? You get into it. You get a promise, and things happen. Things happen that look like the promise isn't going to be fulfilled. And you got to decide what you're going to renew your mind to. Are you going to stand and renew your mind to what God said? Or are you going to let the things that, that look like reality, that really aren't reality, shape your hope? Or unshape your hope? How much faith do you need? Little faith. You just need a little faith, but it's got to last. I don't care how big your storm is. See, if a little faith can move a mountain, it's never that your faith isn't great enough to go into the storm. It's that the faith you took in the storm didn't last. Or you left it on the shore. Or you dropped it out of the boat. See, we all go in gung-ho until the endurance takes place, right? We're all like, oh yeah, I believe God's word. I'm going to declare, I'm going to bind. And then you get bound. <laughs> what do I do now? Help Jesus. And Jesus says, quit being a coward. Say something. Sky's falling. No, not that. The wrong, that's the wrong thing. Do I believe Jesus? Do I believe the lies? 
Do I believe Jesus? Do I believe a lie? Are you going back and forth? He says, stay put, open your mouth, stand up, don't be a coward. I've had a lot of things in my life over the years I've had to wait for. And I can tell you this, when, when you endure, you come out stronger on the other side. You come out stronger. You learn how to sleep in the boat. See, too many of us want to get in the boat and start bailing water, and Jesus is sleeping. i got to learn how to rest and realize that He's already taken care of it. I don't need to strive. I just need to stand up and have some courage. And I rest in that. I rest in that. You're never going to have authority over a storm that you can't rest in. And that's not easy to do. When everybody's going chaos, or the world's going chaotic, and people are saying this and saying that, you've got to learn to rest. You've got to learn to, to, to just sit back and realize he's already done it. And then from that, stand up and take your authority. And don't let the enemy throw you a curveball. Don't go back and forth between two things. Stay where you're at. You get a promise. All right, here's a test. How long does enduring faith last? Until you realize, until the promise is fulfilled, or until when? You die. And I'm telling right now, prophesying, you're all going to live long lives. So you got a lot of holding on to do. I just had a promise this week. We'll close with this. Stand up. We're going to pray. Pray for you. I just erased one uh, off of my dry erase board at work this week. I put up last April. 13 months. I've had it every day at work. I go in. I pray over it. I see it. I think about it. It was called COVID-19 prayer items. It was. I got a picture. I took a picture of it so you don't believe me. Number one, every employee would have divine health. Can I tell you that we didn't have a single employee test positive until November of last year? 350 employees, you think that's an accident? From the time the mask order went in until it was lifted till we're out of it now? I don't have anybody hospitalized. Other things on there, I said that customers would spend money. You know, that's a good thing. I need customers to spend money. The last 13 months have been the most profitable in our company's history. PPP loan last year, I put on there that I'd get one, and we got one, and then it would be forgiven, and I got it, it was forgiven last week, 13 months later. But every day, when I would go in my office, I would put it there. It was there every day. If you've been in my office, you're probably like, what in the world's COVID-19 prayer item? It's the things I'm, I'm shaping hope in my life for. Because everything around us was telling us opposite that. You're going to go out of business. You're going to get sick. You're going to die. You're going to all this stuff. But i got to promise God's word that says, I am blessed 
with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And I believe that. You don't have to believe it, but I just happen to believe it. And I had to stay with that until when? Till it happened or till I go home? Fortunately, I didn't go home. Here's the great thing about God. If he'll do it for a guy like me, he'll do it for you. Guys, receive that today. Father, just thank you today. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Lord, your sweet presence is so good. We're grateful that you even take time to come into our midst. Holy Spirit, I just ask today that your word would go deep. We stand against the enemy from stealing it. Father, I pray that as we discover promises in your word, Lord, that you've said it, that we know that every promise that you make is yes and amen in Christ. Lord, that forever your word is settled in heaven. It doesn't go back and forth. It doesn't change. And it produces whatever you send it forth to produce. Father, help us to endure. Help us to stay stay the course when things don't look like it's going to work out. Lord, to stay the course. Lord, that when we get a promise, we find a promise that we stay with it. Father, I just pray that you'd release a grace over each person here today, each person online. Lord, that you would build their faith that they would protect hope. Protect it. Because the enemy tries to destroy it. In Jesus' name, amen. Anybody, if you need prayer for anything, I'll be here afterwards. We've had prayer time earlier, but if you need a specific prayer, come on up. I see the cloud